got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all the knowledge you need to travel in style. Brought to you in nine minutes or less. Now, please welcome the host of Zorkcast, Michael Mason Traeger. Hello, this is Michael, and welcome back to ZorkCast. Today, we have Han from Chicago and Eric Rosenthal with us. And we are going to be having a, what I consider to be fun conversation about Macau and Vegas. And some might say this conversation is a little bit, or it's totally inspired by Han's tweet about how Macau is more of a draw for him than Vegas currently. So welcome. Hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? Good. Uh, Thank you for humoring me with this conversation because I thought it was a very interesting Twitter dialogue that was going back and forth. And I know, Han, you're really liking Macau these days, huh? Oh, very much. Uh it's strange though. I, you know, I was just tweeting that because I was having some insomnia, and uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting all these tweets from you and other folks, and and just like, oh, okay, uh, people actually want to talk about this. But I, yeah, I just sometimes think I'm talking into a vacuum when I uh, am uh, touting Macau, and especially if I say Macau is better than Vegas. Oh, heaven forbid. But um, yeah, Macau's where my head or my head's at, uh, with Macau these days much more than uh, than Vegas. And um, I will talk about that and why uh, more if you if you want to know. Sure, sure. And and you're welcome. You know, your insomnia times really well with my morning espresso. So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's it's great. You know, you get me. I'm all bright, bright eyed, drinking my coffee, and then I'm like, oh, and you know what? I should mention, and we'll put this in the show notes. A little bit of that conversation on Twitter was inspired by a Wall Street Journal article, and the title on that article was Macau, Asia's Vegas, Can't Beat the Real McCoy for Fun. So I think that was sort of sort of interesting, at least as far as when you're when you're thinking about Macau. But I'm guessing, Han, that that you you think that that Macau does beat Vegas. So what would be your top reasons for that? Okay, well, I'm, for me, mostly it's it's the service and probably the design of the casinos. I think the cutting edge of uh, casino IRs in the world is probably in Asia. Uh, it's definitely in Macau and probably uh, pretty soon in Japan, uh, probably in about five, six years. And if you're a nerd like me into wow. casino design, you want to see the latest and greatest stuff. And yes, of course, there are some new resorts being uh, built in Vegas as we speak, but it's been what, at least a decade since we've seen a significant uh, resort going up in Vegas. And, um, you know, I was kind of hungry for new stuff and, and you go to Asia and you go to Macau and, and I was just blown away. You know, I went back, I went in 16, 2016, and I've been there two more times since then. And uh, each time I go, I see something new and bright and shiny and um, something that's like a variation of stuff I've seen in Vegas, but it's it's newer 
kind of more innovative and the people there want me to be there and it doesn't matter what my bankroll is they'll still treat me like royalty and i appreciate that and i'm not really getting that in vegas uh, and i probably never would really because i just don't have that kind of uh pull in terms of my play and uh what i'm willing to put at risk i think his point is valid you know uh if i'm uh debating the the pro vegas side I don't think Vegas has an argument against Han's claims. Service is better in Macau, regardless of your bankroll. And really, soup to nuts, they they do everything from a customer service perspective, light years better than you could expect in the Western world, not just Vegas. You know, unless you're staying at a, I don't even know. But I've stayed at the St. Regis in New York, and it was not the same as the St. Regis in Macau, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, it's just uh, also, okay, look, let's be frank. It's probably a novelty factor too. You know, like you, you go to Vegas like 15, 16, 20 times, whatever, you know, I, I have lost count and uh, you, you do the same things over and over and over again. And some people love that. And I, you know, I don't begrudge them that, but you know, and I'm and I'm kind of promiscuous in Vegas, and what I mean by that is that I, I like to. <laughs> <laughs> can we yeah, expand and, on the promiscuous in Vegas? And will Mrs. Han from Chicago be listening to this? No, no, I doubt it. But well, what I mean by that is I like I jump from property to property, you know, all over. I have no loyalty in Vegas, you know, and I don't I don't stick to one property. I know. Michael, you had you had a love affair with uh, the Stardust, and and so you would probably just plant yourself there and and go every time. But like I, I I'm a free agent, and I just jumped around, and and even after having done that for many many years, you know, it got a little boring, and uh, I I didn't feel like the service was really that good, and probably kind of deteriorated over time. And and you then you go over to you know you go halfway around the world and and they're they're treating you like like a king and 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 look I wasn't spending all that much I wasn't gambling all that much and yet you you feel like uh, they they really want you to be there and have a good time and I'm I'm guessing most people who are going to Macau feel that way but maybe people don't care about that if if you, if it's really just about the gambling for you and you're a low roller you're probably better off in in Vegas, but for me, I'm I'm I, I am also a, a low roller, but I, I kind of have bougie tastes. So, and I think but all of us have. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. But isn't the bougie taste? I mean, I love that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a little bit of that is, I guess, ubiquitous to Asian service standards in general. I mean, that's not just Macau. I mean, that's almost anywhere. That's almost anywhere in Asia. At least no, that's I've, I mean, I'm not super experienced, but I've had really good, really good experiences in Japan, in KL. I mean, I've I've had I've had really stellar service experiences in a number of places, you know, inclusive of inclusive of Macau. So, I mean, but of course, Macau is in Asia. So, I mean, that that is a valid it's it's a valid point. Well, well, here's here's a thing, right? Like I, I want that cross section of that Asian hospitality plus the casino experience. And where are you going to get that? You're going to get that in Macau, maybe a little bit in Singapore. Uh, I also found that to be um, in Manila. And and soon again, like like I mentioned before, Japan is going to have this. And yeah, if you just want the surface experience, you, you can get that 
in many of the major cities in Asia, uh, like Tokyo, Seoul, prop, probably Kuala Lumpur, like like you mentioned. But that's not what I'm saying. You know, that's not why I'm saying Macau is better than than Vegas. I mean, I'm I'm looking for the whole experience of of a, of a casino resort and the service. You know, all casinos have that vibe. You know, like I th- I think Eric once said to me that he could maybe live in a casino without even gambling once and, and he would be yeah. happy with this. Uh, and yep. Yeah. And, um, and this is what I'm saying too. Like I, I kind of like the vibe mm. of a casino and you're, and you're not going to get that in some W hotel in Shanghai. So you know, this is why I'm making the case for Macau. You, you get, you kind of get this cross section of Asian high Asian hospitality plus, plus the casino vibe. Okay. That's, that's good. I like that. I, and, and I agree with that. My only problem is, though, to me, I mean, and I'm really into casino vibe on both ends of it, the bougie and non-bougie world, because I I have a lot of interest in non-bougie as well as bougie. I just don't talk about it as much. But the thing about the vibe is that I find I find the gambling vibe on the casino floor at Borgata or at Mohegan Sun to far exceed the vibe I felt on the casino floor at Wynn Palace. And I really love being at casino resorts, but one of the reasons why I love being there is the gambling vibe. So that's the that's the only thing that I'm sort of conflicted with. Okay, so you know, I think it's not necessarily degrees, but kinds, right? Kinds of casino vibes. You know, Macau is a much more, uh, as we've said in different podcast settings, it's it's much more serious. And if you're looking for that kind of festive whoop whoop, you know, yelling, loud, happy, you know, raucous kind of vibe, then yeah, you're not going to necessarily get that in Macau. I I saw little bits of it here and there, but it, it's it's not something that that shows up all that often. But I'm okay with that. I'm I'm I I think it still has this kind of intensity that i i kind of liked uh, but i think maybe it turned people like uh eric and bethany and some others who've who've gone there uh off and i and i get that too i don't know what your experience was michael uh it seems like well it you're, was you're... extremely it was extremely intense which i love hmm. my issue is that i need a balance i i need the option of the intense and the not intense. So my my trip, which my sole trip to Macau, which I guess was in 2016. I think you might have been there at the yeah, same time. Yeah, we were at time. the same time. I didn't know you back then, so I, you know, I, I didn't see you. <laughs> it was all about it. It was all about it was all about going to the Wind Palace opening. I remember my entire journey of figuring this out. I actually booked my award ticket in BA first from a fury suite at borgata <laughs> to go to yeah i know it's the things you remember and i was thrilled because I, I i got first class on an a38 so i was super happy uh to and i was able to do my redemption back from uh i actually did i did a, basically around the world in four days so i did amsterdam to london to hong kong and then i did hong kong to Los Angeles, to Hartford, Connecticut, pit stop at Mohegan, and then Boston back to uh, 
back to London. And that was in under in under five days. The <clears throat> since I know you have interest in this stuff and I love talking about it anyway, my I was also able to redeem from Hong Kong to Los Angeles in Cathay Pacific first using nice. Alaska Miles. Very nice. So it was it was like this was like such a trip for me because I got the BA first redemption on an A380 to Hong Kong. I got the Cathay Pacific redemption to Los Angeles. Just so many things lined up, lined up so, so nicely. But what I did is I have a friend that I know from Vegas who is a Chinese American who lives in Hong Kong. And he met me one night at Wind Palace. I was only I think I stayed at Wind Palace for two nights and I was at the Four Seasons my first night. And he met me and we basically, it, it was just the most perfect evening. We had a shared bankroll for Baccarat. We went to SW Steakhouse. He brought a really good uh, Japanese whiskey. Uh, we had some of that in the suite. And then we literally proceeded to play Baccarat from like 11 o'clock at night to seven o'clock in the morning. And then he left on a ferry and went back to work. <laughs> that sounds that sounds brilliant. I mean, what's there not what's there not to like about that? That's that's incredible. It it was good because I felt I really gambled and since he was able to speak to the dealers, it really enhanced my experience of gambling in Macau. So that was that was also really cool, but it was it was great. I mean, it's like one of my my best memories because I I really one of my things that I wanted to do so badly when I went to Macau is I wanted to have a true Baccarat experience. And mm -hmm. I felt I really did. So yeah. that was awesome. But on the other end of it, I like my coffee dice. I like waking up in the morning, finding a five dollar dice table, you know, and the whoop whoop at the dice table or or the real kind of casual kind of gambling. And I'm just not sure. Maybe that is there in Macau, but I just don't know about it. Mm, I don't think it's there. <laughs> I searched quite a bit for it. And admittedly, it was only one trip, but I find it hard to believe that it would be there. And just over that five, six day time. It would be completely bereft of whoop whoop. It, yeah, it's a it's a it's a different. You know, my my favorite line from any podcast I've ever been a part of. Uh, Han and I were talking about it, basically this topic about the energy and the excitement, uh, and in my from my point of view, the lack thereof. And he was defending that it did exist and he described it as there being a nod of approval from another player at the table <laughs> and, that, that, and was, that was really life affirming <laughs> yeah right exactly so you're you know the nod of approval from another guy at the table constituted like whoop whoop if if, if that's uh, the term that we're going with on this show and it, it doesn't do it for me i'm i'm looking for more than that and I think everything that you just haven't played enough Baccarat, Eric. If you play enough Baccarat as a white boy, I and I no, 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 seriously, I I yearn the nod of approval when I finally get it. And this has happened to me at Mohegan. It happened to me years ago, quite a bit at Stardust. When I finally get accepted by the other six Chinese guys at the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being totally serious here. <laughs> I'm, but I, I'm not looking for acceptance. I, I don't give a damn what they think about me. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> to have a good time in the moment, and that's 
that's not what that is. And if I never get the nod of approval from the six Chinese guys at the table, life will go on. I mean, that's well. <laughs> but Eric, I had a I had a shoe once at uh, at Mohegan Stud, which was which was hysterical. So I was. Uh, I was one of the first two or three players at the table. A couple other people came. Table was full. I had the high hand and I was betting into it was it was streaking and the shoe streaked quite a few times. And what was so what was so funny is I was facing the cards and then all of a sudden there was a switch and everybody started following me. Like they just they just did what I did. But it was it what was so incredible about it was that so they waited for me to do my bet. So literally I was like, so I, I started to, I fooled around with it a couple of hands. Cause I like just waited a couple extra minutes, just pondering. And I'm looking at an entire full table of every single person, not putting a bet out until I put my bet out <laughs> and then they all do it. And then there was one other guy at the end of the table and he was dead set on facing on, on facing the cards. He just really wanted to wanted to face them, but they wanted to bet the way that I was betting. So I kept increasing my bet because it was a streak and I love doing that with Baccarat, even though it has no mathematical soundness, but that's what I do. And, and it was funny because it got to the point where I was up to, I think about a five, six, $700 bet, maybe 800 was the top. And then he would wait to see that guy would wait to see, and then put another like quarter on top of that, just so he could face it. And finally, at some point in the streak, I just looked at him and I said, dude, it's fine. I'll let you drive. I will let you face the cards. It's fine. You don't have to wait. You know, he was like, so he wanted to be the high, he wanted to be the high hand at the vet, but it was, uh, yeah, I felt, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was part of the club. It made me very happy. Uh, and where was this? This was at Mohegan. Sun. Mohegan. Okay. So, I mean, all right. So you, it's not like you can't have this in the United States, right? What, what, what I'm talking about, but but if you have, if you go to Macau, this is going to be. I feel like it'll be enhanced even all the more, especially for a Bach player. But that's just that's just my opinion. I mean, it's the center of of the Bach world. Well, wouldn't you say, Michael? I mean, you you know this stuff better than I do. Well, I mean, we have to differentiate a little bit. It is the center of the Bach world, but the Baccarat that I love the most is still Big Baccarat, and most people will still refer to Big Baccarat as White Boy Baccarat because it's it goes back to like the whole Sinatra Sands passing the shoe around the table, the big paddle and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that I find that many Asian players have very little interest in, mostly because I wouldn't say it's too slow for them because that's a little bit strange because most Baccarat games are re relatively slow, especially if some of the players facing the cards are slow. But it's something about that moving the shoe around the table or it's like they they'd like they want to face the cards at least this is my opinion or what i've experienced i feel that asian players want to face the cards they want to touch the they want that kind of control but they have no interest in dealing the cards mm. from the shoe mm. so i and i i think big baccarat is is just is just a hoot that way because there's something about dealing the cards from the shoe so you're in control and you're pushing, you know, you're, it's like you're, if you feel like you're in even more, in even more control, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to describe, but I, you know, I started, that's, that's the Baccarat I started playing and that's what really turned me onto the game. And and is that more prevalent in Vegas than in Macau? It's not really prevalent anywhere. Got it. I don't think it's, I, I, okay. I would venture to say it's probably not played 
in Macau at all. I don't think I, I don't think passing the shoe around the table is very popular. It is still done in Vegas to a limited extent. Uh, last time I asked a year ago at Win, Win's not doing any public big baccarat tables. Caesars still has a a big baccarat table, and that was operating when I saw last year. Atlantic City does not anymore. Atlantic City used to have a ton of it as of March 2017. Borgata no longer has a big baccarat game on weekends. Mohegan Sun brings out the big baccarat table during Chinese New Year. And when I started playing Big Baccarat, it was in Indiana at Argosy. <laughs> and they had a $25 Big Baccarat table. And I have no idea why that riverboat had a $25 Big Baccarat table. But that's what turned me on to me. Eric, I want more of your thoughts on this stuff. I mean, you, you have now kind of been... You're, you're like a born-again Vegas lover. And uh, I feel so partially responsible for that. And yeah, I guess indirectly, <laughs> indirectly you are. So, so let me make sure that my statements don't come off as anti Macau because I very much enjoyed Macau. And if it were geographically closer or for whatever reason I would find myself in Asia, it would become a more regular part of my life. It really like the service really is that much better. And yeah, I think the architecture is uh, at least one cut, if not two cuts above. I mean, it, it it's really a special place. That said, having been there, I don't know that it warrants like for me, it was a 16 hour flight to get there. I don't think it's worth a 16 hour flight when Vegas is a five hour flight. I don't. You know, so whether we're talking points or dollars or whatever currency we're we're using there, there's an opportunity cost in that getting to Macau takes substantially more resources than Vegas does for an American. And so, so the, the the time is, is, is the currency that you are more concerned about. And I guess maybe the, the, the jet lag or whatever. Well, yeah, uh, because so I mean, yeah, the, the time and. Well, and the miles or like, I'm, I'm not going to fly 16 hours in economy. I'm just, yeah. uh, that's, that's not going to happen. So my, I think you should try it. I think you should try it once. No, <laughs> no, I, no. So, so, you know, if it, so I, Ed report back. I, no, no. See, I flew business. The retail cost of that business flight was over $8,000. I would never pay that. The amount of miles that I had to use to be able to get, you know, round trip business, I could have flown to Vegas back and forth seven times. Okay. But if you were going to pay in, in cash for economy, uh -huh. these days to Hong Kong, you can get from New York to, to there. I don't know. I think round trip probably in the neighborhood of $600, $800 if you do it right. To Vegas these days, maybe, I don't know, from New York, what is it, maybe 300 So the, the multiplier is not as bad if you're doing an economy and you're doing it by cash. So it's it's all kind of relative, uh, depending on how you're willing to do yeah, it. But I understand I, your your point of view. You don't want to do it in economy. It would be terrible. Yeah, I I mean, I don't, I, I don't think the trip is worth it if I have to do it in economy. Like it's well, there's also another there's another element of the trip, too. I mean, let's let's be fair here. When you land at McCarran Airport, you are steps away from the strip. 
when you land in Hong Kong, you are not steps away from every casino hotel. You still have yeah, but an additional element of your trip. Now, which is interesting for me because I'm equidistant. I mean, uh, London to Hong Kong is 10 to 11 hours. And London to Vegas is nine and a half, ten and a, ten to eleven hours. So both of them are actually the same; they're the same flights. But for me, the experience of landing in Vegas and getting into a hotel immediately is a lot different than landing in Hong Kong. Yeah, but the other side to that coin is when you land at McCarran, you're in Vegas. All you're in is Vegas. They're really, you know, I mean, I. I guess you could drive to LA, but like if you're looking for something more than just this gambling mecca, you know, there's there's not a whole lot surrounding Las Vegas. If you're flying into Hong Kong, I mean, it's really two trips in one. You know, I enjoyed my time in Hong Kong probably as much as Macau. Like I, I thought it was a value add that Macau allowed me to visit another major city in the world that i i don't think i otherwise would have seen and you don't get that in vegas and adding on to that i I would say you know given hong kong's proximity to say singapore or tokyo or manila you can jump over to these other places uh what using what you know whatever means uh miles or or cash and on some of the probably the the best airline carriers in the world so if you get to do it in J or F, uh, you're going to enhance your experience all the more. I, 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 that's what I did while I was in the area, and I, I'm not, I'm simply not going to do that in the southwest of of the United States because uh, there aren't there any many carriers there that I want to burn my miles on. So, uh, so from that perspective, there's there like Eric was saying, there there is this other element of value add by going to Macau. Of course, again, all this presumes you have the time you have the currencies to do this but if i'm going to spend my money and my time i'd rather do it in macau than than vegas at least these days and this is not to say that i don't like vegas i still do but maybe i just gone too many times and and familiarity has bred a little a little uh not not contempt but a little bit of um boredom i don't know that, I think, even that might be too strong i think if sure. you i think if you went to vegas for your first time in 2019 you would still be awed and inspired and think it was fantastic the problem is you saw what i believe was a more customer friendly vegas and your expectations are what it was and not what it is and i'll be the first to admit they don't offer the experience that they did even five years ago no i i think that's that's absolutely correct and i i mean i'm a little hopeful because of your experiences let's say with with the circus circus sports book you that you talked about in your other podcasts and you know so maybe things are turning around a little bit but i still think they're very far away from what what i'm seeing in macau as far as service goes right but i'm getting treated very very well by one group and for somebody who's looking for bougie this is you know not bougie maybe when circa opens the resort not the sports book maybe that'll satisfy what you're looking for but i've definitely had to make 
concessions, I guess, uh, is the best way to describe it in what I'm looking for and in what, what I would expect. As happy as I am with how I'm being treated currently, you know, that's only as good as your next trip. Yeah, but let's pivot. Let's pivot a little bit, though. Let's let's pivot a little bit to the reason people are going to Vegas. A lot of people in our circles was because they're still getting a decent value, though nowhere near as good of a value as they used to get. Even medium, low rollers or whatever, with regard to comp rooms and comps in general. We're not really bringing in the equation here, comps in Macau. I mean, we're not talking about, I'm agreeing about the bougie experience, but those are not comped bougie experiences. So what if you took the same bankroll and you were talking about getting four or five nights free the way somebody would at Paris or at the link? Maybe that's possible in Macau. And yeah, maybe the service is going to be better, but it's still going to be at a lesser resort. And it's not going to be the experience of some of the top places in Macau. An educated traveler, gambler, consumer can still find tremendous value in Las Vegas. Tremendous value relative to other places in the world, Uh, at least in the country. You know, I should say in the country. And I'm doing everything from an American's point of view, right? So that that needs to be, I guess, kind of uh, highlighted, underlined, italicized. If you're not an American, then, you know, your mileage may vary completely. But even a low roller who's going to be nickel and dimed with fees, assuming they're going on vacation either way and they're going to a U.S. city, they're still going to get better value in Las Vegas than most other cities. And that's before you count comps, because you can still get a very nice hotel room for, you know, pennies on the dollar relative to what it would cost in a different city. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely so agree. How about I, value? Yeah. How about a value in Macau? That's that becomes the question is what's the what value are you getting for your gambling dollar in Macau? Well, I I wasn't comped in Macau. I just didn't play at that of those levels, and and I'm not quite frankly I'm not getting comped in Vegas either. Not really, uh, unless you count my Vegas, and I did that recently and uh, cashed in a, a my, my Vegas comp, and then got uh, uh, paid some cash to get an upgrade to an Aria suite. So that I mean that kind of thing is still possible in Vegas, and, and I'm grateful for that. And and I totally agree with what Eric was saying about. Vegas being a value still relative to most other U.S. cities. However, if I if I'm just spending cash, straight up cash, I think Macau still presents the the greater value given the rooms, given the service, uh, given the proximity to all these other kind of things like um, experiences in Hong Kong and elsewhere. So, so I mean, I'm not the right person to talk in terms of comp value. I'm I'm sure the gamblers there are getting some of the nicest rooms. I don't even know if they're spending any time in those rooms because they're just on the gaming floor. But uh, Eric, did you, were you comped at, at all or were you approached about? Uh, I was. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was approached by a host at uh, MGM Kotai. The amount of action that they're looking for uh, is considerable uh, to get a comp room. We had a nice conversation around it. Uh, he was, kind enough to uh comp some tickets to a show but i wasn't going to give them you know and you know the gaming isn't if you're a bach player bach is 
basically Bach. But if you're not a Bach player, the gaming wasn't advantageous where it really warranted uh, giving them substantial action. So I'd rather just pay for the room. I would say that if you have a three, four day getaway, Vegas is good for an American. Vegas is going to win every time for you to get the value out of a trip to Macau and to be able to take advantage of Hong Kong and Singapore and Kuala Lumpur. Like you, you need a week and a half, two weeks just to just to really experience it and get the value out of it. And I don't you know, there are people that can take off for two weeks. I will say that's not a reality in my life. So my pro Vegas stance is let me get three days, four days, multiple times a year. And that's easy to fit into the calendar as opposed to two weeks at once, which may be a more fulfilling trip overall. But, uh, you know, I, I just I, I don't think that's a reality for most people. And I, I Well, how about pivoting? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I know. I just I just want to say real quick, I, I agree with what Eric is saying, I guess. For me, I, I'm thinking uh, less is more, and I mean less times, less exposure, less risk uh, is more is better for me these days. It just depends on your risk profile. Eric is definitely going to be more risk tolerant than me on any day of the week. So, uh, so Vegas will always provide a, a greater value proposition than than it would for me uh, relative to Macau, anyway. But I I think the experiences that I I've garnered from going to Macau. Uh, far exceed anything I've gotten out of Vegas in the past couple of years. I'm not saying I'm not, I don't like Vegas. I, I still do like Vegas very much and I'll probably be back there sometime. I don't know when, but, but if, um, if someone had to point a gun to me and say, choose one right now, I'd choose Macau. That's all I'm saying. And that's definitely a fair assessment. I mean, I think part of, I mean, I guess maybe to pivot it a little bit more, you know, how about other locations that are great? Like, I mean, when anybody asks me what my favorite casino is in the world, I immediately say Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. That place ticks off enough boxes for me, and it's also a table games mecca. I mean, they've got 350 tables. <laughs> I mean, and that to me is incredible. I mean, they've, they have, I don't know, I was, I was counting last time. I mean, you know, Highland and Baccarat is, is about, is about 15 tables, 40 tables of, of regular Bach. They even have, five or six tables of tiles and sick bow. I mean, the place is just amazing and they keep making it better. They keep making it better and better. And actually on that topic, you know, at least with new England, it's going to be really interesting to see encore Boston Harbor because the little bit of insight that I've, you know, garnered from that property, that place is going to be a knockout. I mean, they did spend $2 billion on it. But that's that's going to be a game changer. I mean, I believe Encore Boston is an absolute game changer on the East Coast of the United States. I also believe that their their room product beats the Four Seasons Mandarin Oriental in Boston. I mean, they will have the best. They will have the best hotel standard hotel room product in all of Boston. And who knows? I mean, based on on what they what I think they've done, they might have the best they might even have a better hotel room product than than ninety eight percent of the properties in New York City. So that's pretty interesting to think about. No, that's that's good that just thinking about that is I mean I mean they're gonna charge you for it, right? I mean you're looking at the rates, or at least I, I was and and something like what, seven hundred a night and it seems like it stays up there 
maybe goes down to 500 most nights, uh, at least to the early 2020. I, I, <laughs> well, I just posted, I just posted the Bruins special, which brings the room rate down to in the 500s with $150 food and beverage credit. So you could get it down to the quote, $400 range, you know, for a one night stay. I mean, part of the problem in Boston, which is similar to the problem that you have in New York, is the room tax. You know, the city taxes and all the room taxes are absolutely insane. And obviously, since they're percentage based, you know, hotel rooms that are four or $500 have wind up having $70 worth of taxes. Though, from what I can see, and I have not verified this, there is no resort. I have a comp stay coming up, and I do not have a resort fee showing on the bill. And again, obviously, because these taxes are a percentage, that hasn't shown up either. So I am expecting with no resort fee and comp rooms, a comp stay to actually be a comp stay. Which it is at Mohegan yep. Sun. I mean, Mohegan Sun comp rooms are, you could check out of Mohegan Sun and have a comp room and literally have a $0 folio. No taxes, no fees, nothing. Just $0, which is really nice. And I hope, I hope doesn't change. Mohegan doesn't charge resort fees on any comp rooms. Uh, has nothing to do with status. They do charge a resort fee on revenue. Well, I, I think those are two uh, special properties in, in New England. And I, and also, I guess you could add Foxwoods. I'm not sure what your opinion of Foxwoods is. But those are extraordinary uh, resorts. I, I don't think most of the country has that level of resort nearby. I, I certainly don't. Not here in Chicago, although they're, they're uh, planning to build one somewhere in Chicago city limits pretty soon. And I, you know, so I don't know. My, my thing is I, will, I always want to go somewhere. I don't want to just go to my backyard to gamble. I think that's kind of boring. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not just going for a gamble. Oh, you just want an excuse to fly well, on Emirates. Well, well that's true. Class. That's true. Come on, tell the <laughs> that's <truth>. true. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do need some uh, excuses to do that. No, no. I. It's. It's just. It's just not fun to just go to Gary or Hammond, Indiana, and and gamble. It, it does. That's not the same experience. It never will be. Um. And yeah, while all that stuff is hurting Vegas a little bit. You know, the resort towns, the clustering effect of, let's say, Vegas and Macau, um, that's that's something special. And fo standalones like Foxwoods and Mohegan and uh, EBH, uh, they're going to have to really be knockouts to, to draw people. That's 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 my opinion anyway. And I do agree with the cluster. I think that is a brilliant thing when you can go from casino to casino. And that's actually one of the reasons why I love Atlantic City so much, because of the cluster of casinos. But of course... Atlantic City is a is a love hate kind of city, but I think there. I I mean I think people don't give Atlantic City enough credit. If, if you ask me personally, but I have strong bias towards liking Atlantic City. I've actually gone on the record a couple of times saying that I enjoy, as a mostly focused on gambling, uh, and you know the casino resort thing. I enjoy Atlantic City more than Vegas, and I know people 
<laughs> but I don't care. <laughs> That's it's my opinion, and I'm I'm welcome to have it, and I'm willing to back that opinion. Up. Well, Michael, the eight Chinese guys at the baccarat table <laughs> down in Atlantic City—they just gave you the nod of approval. Congratulations. <laughs> You think you think that's it? You see, you see. But remember, I said to you, I like the opposite of bougie. Mm-hmm. Well, that is Atlantic City, and there's something, there's something. Just I don't know. Classic isn't the right word, but I'll give you, I'll give you the, my favorite example. And I talk about this with my friend. It just came up again last week. I bet someone. It was a. It was a. Bet it was a Yankees Red Sox kind of thing when I was in New Hampshire, and I, you know, I and she said, okay. If the Red Sox win, I will. And I was about to go to Atlantic City like the next day. I will send you a bottle of champagne in Atlantic City. I was like, okay, and it did. And she had to keep her promise. I was staying at Bally's Atlantic City, and she and they and she did. She called them and she ordered a bottle of uh, non-vintage champagne, which still wasn't cheap. It was at least a hundred, hundred twenty-dollar bottle through Bally's room service, and they delivered the bottle in one of the Bally's plastic ice buckets there with the black bellies like the kind of they're just like those plastic horrible cheesy ice buckets and i took a picture to thank her and she said to me i can't believe i just spent a hundred and twenty dollars in tax and they sent that up in a plastic ice bucket like that how could they how could they do that that is a horrible presentation she's a food and beverage person so she called bellies to complain to them about it and she got somebody on the phone who was the head of food and beverage, and she's like, this is atrocious. You cannot send up a bottle of champagne in a plastic ice bucket like that. How can you do that? And he said, ma'am, we don't send nice ice buckets up to our rooms at Bally's because our customers would steal them. <laughs> and they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong. I mean... So, so my friend calls me and goes, what kind of place are you staying at? It's a shithole. It's a it's a vintage shithole. And I mean, it, it's kind of like you've got a little hipster in you that you, you know, you enjoy these things for the sake of what they are. Eric, my three my three bedroom suite at Bally's during the first Zork uh-huh. Fest was absolutely epic. Yeah, I love those little oh TVs in the corner. Those <laughs> little, little TVs in the in the bathroom were hilarious. <laughs> and, and when you say little TVs, you mean the box TVs from yeah. 1983. That's right. Where it was a it was a 13-inch screen, but the actual width of the TV was also more than 13 inches. <laughs> Come on, Michael. Like I I know I know you have like your shtick and there's things that you like. That place is a fucking shithole. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but sometimes it, it's very grounding. It's uh, it's it's just something that's uh, it, it's interesting. I I mean, and it used to be. I think I, I'm sort of drawn to the history, to the history of it because Bally's was a spectacular resort when it first opened in Atlantic City. They just never updated anything since 1980. What was it? Michael, 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 (laughs) I enjoy the history. I enjoy, actually, I enjoy history in general. I enjoy museums. I don't try to sleep in them. (laughs) It's, it's not, 
especially like a rundown museum where uh, Michael. <laughs> By the way, uh, is this? It, well, I, I want to ask you: is, is this going to be the longest Zorcast of all time? I don't even. I, I think he, this, he's, this he's going to chop this up but into this is... seven different episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be this will be going on okay, for months okay. and months and months. Or we'll do a special. Uh, we'll do a special. Got forty nine minutes. But uh, but but the other thing, I mean, and and I guess just to close this off, and what you were saying, Han, which is interesting, because I've I've gone through a lot of these journeys in my mind, and I have a, a love hate relationship with Vegas. I have a little bit more of a love relationship with Atlantic City, and I'm absolutely gaga over Mohegan Sun. But, you know, my local stuff, and maybe it's because I've only been in London now for a couple of years, is also really cool. Like, I'm really digging the the London, the London gambling scene. And recently, you know, just being able to experience gambling in Cairo was really sort of cool. And it, so, I mean, I think there is... I think there is a lot out there. Definitely not that cluster effect that mm. you're talking about, but there is it, it is it is rather interesting. And that's and I've been opening my eyes to some of that because it it it's definitely it's really cool. And it's also really cool for geeky casino people to see what they're doing in other casinos and what the variations are with regard to the games. So I think some of that stuff is is really cool. And I and I, I really want to put efforts into doing yeah, more. If, if, if anything, I just want to be an advocate for casino nerds go, to, to get out of Vegas and, and check out some other lo- locations. And maybe it won't be Macau. Maybe it will just be Laughlin or something. I don't know. But just like just travel, check out other places and use casinos or casino towns as excuses to broaden your horizons you know that that that's that's what I, how i would end this you know um and yeah i'm gonna be rah-rah for macau probably uh till who knows when but it doesn't have to just be that but uh, you know i just love the ability to k- kind of combine the travel stuff that that you like michael and i like and you know combining that with a casino experience i mean that's probably my ideal vacation yeah and i and i'm pretty aligned with that I how about you Eric? couldn't have put it any better I agree with him completely. I think that you need to look beyond Vegas, and I'd argue you also need to look beyond Macau. I think if I found myself in Asia, you know, Singapore is on the list. And, you know, there's gaming in Singapore that I would want to check out and rooftop infinity pools and, you know, all sorts of other things. Ooh, I really, I really want to do Singapore. So if you want to do Singapore, I definitely want to do Singapore. And I was just talking to Gilbert about that recently. I am very, very excited. Okay. Well, we can uh, try to put something in the books. So, uh, but I want to fly on. I want to fly on SQ <laughs> from London in, in a suite in new first suites. I, I definitely want. I really want to do that uh, too. I just, I just don't <laughs> so, want to fly economy. I mean, I, I don't care. You could put me on. I, don't, I don't know. Any, any airline with a lay flat seat will do. Okay. Well, good. Well, let's uh, let's let's plan Singapore because that could be a lot of fun. Well, thank you, thank you guys for for really enlightening me because I I think this is a really fun conversation that that keeps me thinking about future trips. Thank you, Michael. And oh, wait! Before we leave, Han, where can people find you? Or you know, how can they? What's the best way to reach out to to Han? Because he does have a lot you of can reach, opinions. You can <laughs> you can reach me at, at Twitter. I'm at at Han Chicago. Great. And Mr. Rosenthal, what's the 
best way for people uh, on to twitter you? at e rosenthal 1029 uh or you can email me at eric r at travelzork.com awesome well thank you everyone and until next time You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at TravelZork and Facebook.com slash TravelZork. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, good luck.